everybody and welcome to the test life number 212 technical difficulties abound but we are <laughs> cutting through the red tape let me tell you yes uh <laughs> as uh, per regular we have mr casey green joining us he is our technical guru helping us through the the storm clouds of uh, problems today but uh, we're getting through it also joining us from the West Coast, Mr. Patrick Green joins us. How are you today, sir? <laughs> I am pretty green. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, That's indeed, cool. Mr. Patrick Connor, of course. But uh, we uh, we are going to... Um, Actual uh, events and results... Oh, there we go. So we, we've got some volume now. Including those mentioned in our most recent filings yep. with the FTC. Uh, so it's coming on on my screen. During the question... You've got the audio, and I've got the question uh, of today's call. Please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please press star Talking one about now the rules. if you would like to join the question queue. For the question. But before we jump into Q and A, Elon has some opening remarks. Oh, Elon? these are always good. <clears throat> yeah. So to recap, Q2 2021 yes. was a record quarter. What happened to the play? Oh, on many levels. We achieved record production, deliveries, and surpassed over a billion dollars in gap net income for the first time in Tesla yes. history. Yes, one really billion. Like congratulate everyone at Tesla for an amazing job. This is really an incredible milestone. Um, it also seems that public sentiment towards EVs is at an inflection point. And um, at this point, I think almost everyone agrees that uh, electric vehicles are the only way forward. Um, regarding supply chain, while we're making cars at full speed, the global chip shortage situation remains quite serious. Uh, for the rest of this year, our growth rate will be determined by the, the slowest part in our supply chain, which uh, is a, a, there's, there are a wide range of chips that are at various times the slowest part in the supply chain. I mean, it's worth noting that if we had everything else, if we had uh, vast numbers of vehicles and cells, uh, we, we would not be able to make, make them uh, if everything except the chips, we wouldn't be able to make them. The, the chip, chip supply is fundamentally um, the governing factor on our uh, output. Um, it is difficult for us to say how long this will last because uh, we, we don't have, it's, 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 this, is, this is out of our control, essentially. Um, it, does, it does seem like it's getting better, um, but uh, it's hard to predict. Um, so, uh, in fact, even achieving the output that we did achieve was uh, only due to an immense effort from people within Tesla. Um, we uh, were able to substitute alternative uh, chips and then uh, write the firmware uh, in a matter of weeks. It's not just a matter of swapping out a chip. You also have to rewrite the software. So um, it was uh, an incredibly intense effort of uh, finding new chips, writing new firmware, integrating with the vehicle, and, and testing in order to maintain uh, production. And um, and I'd also like to thank our suppliers uh, who worked with us. Uh, and uh, there have been many calls, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., just uh, with, with suppliers uh, in resolving a lot of the uh, shortages. So uh, thanks very much to our suppliers. Um, let's see, in terms of FSD subscription, we were able to launch uh, full self-driving subscription um, last month, and mm -hmm. uh, we, we expect it to to build slowly and and then but then gather a lot of momentum over time. Um, obviously, we need to have the full self-driving build 
uh, widely available for it really to take off at uh, a high rate. And, yeah, um, definitely. The button. A lot of progress there. Um, Two weeks. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think FSD subscription will be a significant factor probably next year. Um, we got to Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. Uh, we're actually doing this earnings call from Giga Texas, so we're in the factory right now doing. The oh, look at that! Earnings call. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the team has made incredible progress here. You can see the the pictures online, and uh, I see that there's basically. Yeah, Casey, can you share those photos? They're in the investor deck. And, they are pretty cool. Uh, and just a large, a mostly complete, large factory. A year later. We we can um, share. So uh, in another screen share. So if you want to pull the pictures, we can keep um, the audio from this and shrink and, uh, it down and show the pictures great, instead. Great work uh, in Berlin, uh, Brandenburg, uh, with the, the team there. So um, we expect uh, to be producing um, the sort of new. new that of course is Elon's dog. In both factories, limited production. Actually, there we took, go. Uh, it took the sound off. Oh yeah, go back. We'd rather have the sound than than my screen share. The greater growth of production goes as fast as the least lucky um, and and dumbest of those ten thousand things, um, and a bunch of them are not even in our control. So it's like um, it's 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 insanely difficult. Uh, I'm fond of saying that prototypes are easy and production is hard. Um, and arguably, the, the, the really remarkable thing that Tesla has done is not, not to make an electric car or to be a, a car startup, because there have been hundreds of car startups uh, in the United States uh, and outside the United States. Uh, so the thing that's remarkable is that Tesla didn't go bankrupt in, in reaching volume production. That's the amazing part, because everyone else did. Um, because they all thought the prototype or the idea was the, the, the hard part, and it is not. It is trivial by comparison with actual production. So um, it's always worth noting um, that uh, of, of all the American car companies, there are only two that have not gone bankrupt, and that is Ford and Tesla. So, you know, um, the seeds of defeat are sown on the day of victory, and we must be careful that we do not do that. So often, if you look at the, if you look at the, if you look at history, so often uh, the seeds of defeat are sown on the day of victory. We will endeavor not to make that the case at Tesla. So let's see. The, the model lines in Texas and made in Texas and um, Berlin will be will look very much like the model lines we currently make, but the. There are substantial improvements in the uh, difficulty of manufacturing. Um, so, for example, the Model Y uh, made here and in Berlin will have a cast front body and a cast rear body, um, whereas the one in, in California has a cast rear body but not a cast front body. Um, we're also aiming to do a structural pack with 4680s, 
sales, um, which is a mass reduction and a cost reduction. And um, but we're not counting on that as the only way to make things work. We have a sort of a backup plan with um, non-structural with a non-structural pack and um, 2170s essentially. So. Uh, but at scale production, we obviously want to be using 4680s and uh, structural pack. Uh, from a physics standpoint, this is the best architecture, and from an economic standpoint, it is the lowest cost way to go. So the lightest, lowest cost. Um, but there's a lot of new technology there, so it is difficult to predict with precision um, when does it work and when do you reach scale, scale production. Um, and Drew's going to talk a bit more about the 4680 production. Um, this will be interesting. Yeah, so uh, we are making great progress on the 4680 cells, um, but but there are there is a tremendous amount of innovation that we're packing into into that 4680 cell, and so uh, it's not simply um, a, a sort of minor improvement on state of the art. Uh, there are, and we went through this on the battery cell day, um, really dozens of you know half a dozen major improvements and dozens of of small improvements. Um, so I think it will be great, um, but it's difficult to say when the last of the of, of the technical challenges will be solved. Um, so in conclusion, our team continues to make huge efforts to make our factories run at full speed, which is very difficult. Um, we have had some uh, factory shutdowns due to uh, power shortages, uh, and we hope those will be uh, relieved in the, in the coming weeks and months. Um, and uh, we're making great progress on full self-driving. Um, some of the progress is not easy to see because it's at, at sort of a foundational software level. Um, and so then it ends up being sort of a two steps forward, one step back situation. Um, and, uh, but over time, if you do two steps forward, one step back and keep going, you do move forward. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm highly confident that uh, the cars um, will be capable of full self-driving. Um, if they have a full self-driving computer and uh, the cameras, um, I'm confident that they will be able to drive themselves with a safety level substantially greater than that of the average person. Um, once again, thanks to all of our employees who are making this a, a breakthrough year for Tesla and an incredible quarter. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. And we have some follow-up remarks from Zachary Kirkhorn. Yeah, thanks, Martin, and thanks, Elon. Uh, just to reiterate, Q2 was a great quarter for the Tesla team with strong improvements across the business. In particular, auto gross profit and margin, excluding credits, increased substantially. This was primarily driven by better cost optimization across our factories, good execution against our cost reduction plans, as well as increases in production and delivery volume. There was some benefit from pricing action mostly in North America, however it was small in the context of the other contributors. Note that the Model S and X program was at a slight loss for the quarter due to the relatively low volume. And supply chain challenges, including expedites, continued to provide cost headwinds. Additionally, it's encouraging to see the progress made on profitability within our energy and services and other businesses. While there's some benefit to looking at our progress quarter over quarter, I find it more helpful to look at progress over a slightly long-term horizon. Over the last two years, our vehicle delivery volumes have more than doubled. 
This volume increase was made possible by a steady decrease in AFPs of more than 10%, driven by a roadmap to increase affordability and shifting mix towards our more affordable vehicles. Yet over that same period of time, our auto gross margin, excluding credits, has increased nearly 10 percentage points to our highest yet since the introduction of Model 3. This is only possible because our average cost per vehicle has reduced by more than the reduction in average price. This is a remarkable achievement in the context of the volume growth and ASP reduction as mentioned, and a testament to the hard work by the Tesla team. Additionally, OPEX as a percentage of revenue has declined, and in particular SG&A, representing the work we've done to become more efficient as we scale the company while still making the required R&D investments to support our future. As a result, our gap operating margins have risen from negative to double digit in line with what we have guided. By managing our overhead costs and driving higher volumes, our P&L is benefiting from the marginal profitability of each incremental unit. Or said differently, we are recognizing the benefits of scale and improved fixed cost absorption. With strong operating cash flows and cash balance, we are putting that cash to use. CapEx continues to tick up, primarily driven by capacity investments in Austin, Berlin, and Shanghai. Additionally, each quarter we are using our cash to retire legacy debt, which was taken on at a time when interest rates and company risk were much higher than in today's environment. Mm-hmm. As I've mentioned before, our 2021 volumes will skew towards the second half of the year as we push for continued sequential increases in volume. Despite the great work so far managing the instability of the supply chains, these challenges remain and are unfortunately increasing in pain with the higher volumes. As we work through the uncertainty, we want to ensure we do our best to manage customer wait times, as well as the impact these interruptions have on our employees and costs. And as Elon mentioned, volume growth will be determined by part availability, as we have the factory capacity ready and are in a strong demand position. I'm excited to see the progress made by the Tesla team as we continue um, building the business and strengthening our financials. Thank you very much. Great, thank you very much, Zach. And now let's go. He to almost said right slot. He came really close. <laughs> the first question from Robert M is: uh, Tesla's website still says Cybertruck production is expected to begin in late 2021. Can Tesla share more details on the current status of the Cybertruck and confirm if production is still? Expected? No, no, not a production of hats, Patrick. <laughs> Cyber hats. <laughs> Lars, do you want to? Sorry, we cut out there for a second. Um, yeah, the Cybertruck is um, currently in its uh, out of stages. We finished basic engineering architecture of the vehicle. Um, with the Cybertruck, we're redefining how the vehicle is to be made. As Elon said, it carries much of the structural pack and large casting designs of the Model Y being built in Berlin and Austin. Um, obviously, those take priority over the Cybertruck, but we are moving into the um, beta phases of Cybertruck later this year. and um, We'll be looking to ramp that in production in uh, Giga, Texas, after uh, Model Y is up and going. Model Y is the priority. Still number one. The, the, the extraordinarily difficult, the ex- extraordinary difficulty of of ramping uh, production of large manufactured items. Um, at the risk of being repetitive, it is it is actually easy to make prototypes or sort of handle small volume production, but uh, anything produced at at high volume, which is really what's what's relevant here, is um, it, it's going to move as fast as the slowest of the, say, rough order of magnitude, 10,000 unique parts and processes. And so you could have 9,999, <laughs> and 
but just one is missing. Um, I mean, we were, we were missing, for example, like a, a big struggle this quarter was uh, the, the, the module that controls the airbags and the seatbelts. <laughs> and obviously, you cannot ship a car without those. Um, kind of important. That, that, uh, that limited our production uh, severely in, uh, worldwide uh, in Shanghai and in Fremont. So, Add a little buffering here. Yeah, during the chip shortage, it's amazing that they did as well as they did. Well, I mean, especially they, because they were actually rewriting the software and, and uh, other things yes. because they were taking on new chips. Right. Yes. So it, I, it, it's creative thinking that they weren't just waiting for the same chip to show up. But instead, mm -hmm. uh, let's uh, let's get some chips that do a little things a little bit differently, rework the software so we still get to our end goal. Right, and when you're vertically integrated and you have the software team uh, instead of just uh, some supplier yeah, that says yeah. no, we can't get um, them. It is quite a trial dealing with all of the constraints of scaling a large manufactured object. I think it may be the case that Tesla is is scaling. Um, it, it, is, is, I think we might be the fastest in history uh, ever for scaling um, a large manufactured object. Um, I think maybe the Model T uh, would have been comparable back in the day, uh, the Ford Model T. Um, uh, and probably the internet knows the answer, but I, I think we may be scaling <laughs> a large manufactured hey, object Siri. at the, the fastest rate in history. Or, or I'd like to know who did, did it faster <laughs> so we can learn from them. Um, so it's worth just noting that, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not bad. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, so all the other car companies took 100 years to get to big, big volume. Of, of, of cell capacity. So we've got to make sure we have the cell capacity uh, for those two vehicles. Of course, it's kind of pointless. We can make a small number of, of, of vehicles. Um, but the, the, the effect of cost, if you make a small number of vehicles, is, is insane. Like, they would literally cost, uh, you know, a million dollars a piece <laughs> or more. <laughs> and that's, there's a reason why you do things in volume production, uh, which is to get the economies of scale that get the cost down. Um, so, uh, but we, we are looking at a pretty massive increase in cell availability next year. Um, but it's not like in January 1. It's, it's it comes through, through uh, you know, it ramps up through the course of next year. Um, but uh, e even without Tesla, Tesla's into okay. um, <laughs> No, that wasn't us. <laughs> um, At least it's not just us today. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, we believe our suppliers will be able to deliver about twice as much cell output in next year as this year. Uh, Drew, do you want to talk more about that? Uh, yeah. Given concerns over cells bottlenecking growth, our target is to grow cell supply ahead of the 50% year-on-year year growth targets of the vehicle business and also enable increased energy storage deployments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our cell suppliers are tracking to double their production in 2022. Yeah. It, it, um, 
the exponential is, growth. If you have a target of, of a certain number, that doesn't mean it's, it, it happens like as sure as night follows day. It, it's a target. Uh, so if there is some calamity in the, in the world that interrupts the supply chain, then it will be less. Um, but uh, the, the contracts that we have with sales suppliers call for roughly a doubling of sell, uh, of sales supply to Tesla in 2022. Um, and we have to juggle these uh, exponential, this whole bunch of exponential graphs sort of overlaid on top of each other. Um, and small changes in where, where you are on the x-axis of time uh, can quite substantially change the area under the curve. So um, what, we, what we're thinking of doing is like, uh, depending on, it's basically overshooting on cell supply for vehicles. And then uh, as, if, if, as we have, say, excess cell supply in one month or another, then, then routing that cell output to the Megapack and Powerwall. Um, or by the same token, if you know we're, we're prioritizing vehicle production, um, if, there's a, if, if there's a shortage of cell output for some reason, then we will throttle down Megapack and Powerwall production. So that be, something's got to give, basically. Or if there's a disruption in the vehicle production, yes. then we have a, an outlet for the cell capacity. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, um, there's a tremendous amount of inertia in the supply chain. Um, so if we say to a supplier, we want you to double sell output, well, even doing that in a year is very difficult. And then that, 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 that system has a tremendous amount of momentum. It is like a flotilla of super tankers. Uh, <laughs> it's insane. Speaking of which, from a raw materials perspective, we, we also have long-term contracts to secure our supply chain to also enable this growth. So we're, we're not just looking at the suppliers, but upstream from there. Yeah. Exactly. Which is more flotilla. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as mentioned, things will move as fast as the slowest part of the entire supply chain, which goes all the way back to, you know, raw materials, um, you know, lithium and nickel and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, there's sometimes misperception that Tesla uses a lot of cobalt, but we actually don't. Uh, Apple uses, uh, I think, almost 100% cobalt in, in their batteries and cell phones and laptops, uh, but Tesla uses no cobalt in the, um, the iron, iron phosphate packs and uh, almost, almost none in the nickel-based chemistries. So um, if, on a weighted average basis, we, we might use 2% cobalt compared to say, Apple's 100% cobalt. Um, anyway, so it's just... Uh, interesting it's, it's to know what the percentage is. ...basically uh, have zero cobalt in the future. So, um, you know, I, I do, it's very worth learning. I, I think probably there is a long-term shift uh, more in the direction of iron-based lithium-ion cells uh, rather than over nickel. Um, as, as Wasn't the, this a question about when the Cybertruck comes out? <laughs> it started that way. Iron-based cells, lithium-ion cells, and nickel-based lithium-ion cells. Um, I think probably we'll see a shift. My guess is probably to two-thirds uh, iron, one-third nickel, or something on that order. Um, there we go. Yeah, it's awesome and, they're driving uh, the whole market good because there's um, plenty of iron in the world. There's 
an insane amount of iron. Um, but nickel is, there's much less nickel, and there's way less cobalt. So um, it is good for uh, relieving the long-term scaling um, to move to iron-based uh, cells, uh, mostly. Um, and I think long-term, uh, possibly all, there's a good chance that all um, stationary storage uh, that is Powerwall and Megapack uh, moves to iron. This is most likely the case uh, since you do not need to transport it and there's less of volume and mass constraint for stationary storage. So then uh, nickel would be for uh, really for long-range uh, road transports, you know, ships and aircraft and that kind of thing. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the second question from retail, which is, Elon has said that Tesla will be op uh, opening up the supercharger network to other EVs later this year. Can you share some more details on how this will be structured? Will this be a select brands or will they contribute to the, to the growth of this network? Yes, yeah, we're currently thinking it's a real simple thing where um, you just download the Tesla app and you go to a supercharger um, and you just indicate uh, which stall you're in. Uh, so you, you plug in uh, your, your car, even if it's not Tesla, and then you just access the app and say, turn on the stall that I'm in for how much electricity. Um, and this should basically work with, I think, um, almost any manufacturer's cars. Um, there, there will be a time constraint. So if the charge rate is, is super slow, then uh, somebody will be charged more because uh, the the biggest constraint at the superchargers is time. Uh, the, you know, how, how occupied is the stall? Um, and we'll, we'll also be smarter with how, how we charge for uh, electricity at the superchargers. So, you know, rush hour charging will be more expensive than um, off hours charging because there are times when the superchargers are empty and times when they're jam packed. And so it makes sense to have some um, time based. Uh, uh, discrimination. On yeah, we've yeah. been doing that and it's been working and people yeah. respond and it helps with utilization. And yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think we're, um, in, in, in Europe and China and most parts of the world, uh, it's, a, it's the same connector for everyone. Um, so this is a fairly easy thing to do, uh, develop our own connector, um, which in my opinion is actually uh, the best connector. It's, it's small and light, and looks good, it's no standard. So we developed our own connector, um, which in my opinion is actually uh, the best connector. It's, it's small and light, and looks good. Um, so is that a repeat? An adapter is needed to You had a glitch work. in the matrix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but people could buy this adapter, um, and we uh, anticipate having it available at the superchargers as well, uh, if people don't, don't sort of steal them or something. <laughs> uh, uh oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but, but you know that that is just a, that's a constraint on the North American thing. Yeah. That's that's basically a vestige of history. But uh, I think we, we do want to emphasize that it, it is our goal is to uh, support the advent of sustainable energy. Uh, it is not to create a walled garden um, and use that to bludgeon our competitors, <laughs> which is sometimes used by some companies. <coughs> <laughs> 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 I, I think it's also important to 
comment that uh, increasing the, the utilization of the network actually reduces our costs, right. which allows us to um, uh, lower charging prices for all customers, makes the network more profitable, allows us to grow the network faster. So that's a good thing there. Um, I heard Omar say and, that on and Sunday. And no matter what, we're going to continue to aggressively expand the network capacity, increasing charging speeds, improving the trip planning tools to protect against site congestion using dynamic pricing, as Elon mentioned, yeah. and just continue to focus on minimum wait time for all customers. Yeah, obviously, in order for this to, to be, for the supercharger to be useful to, to other power companies, cars, uh, we need to grow the network uh, faster than we're growing vehicle output, yeah. which mm -hmm. is not easy. We're growing vehicle output at a, at a hell of a rate. <laughs> so superchargers need to grow faster than vehicle output. So this is a lot of work for the supercharger team. Um, but it is only useful in, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's only useful to the public if we're able to grow faster than Tesla vehicle output. Uh, and now so, faster than all vehicle output. That is our goal. <laughs> EV output. Yeah, combined. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and the third question is, uh, Elon said 4680 cells aren't reliable enough for vehicles. Is this referring to cycle life, degradation, or something else? Uh, please update us on progress of 4680s and what is still needs to be done. Um, to make them reliable enough for vehicles? Um, yeah, I mean, r really, this is not, uh, um, we'll definitely make the 4680 uh, reliable enough for vehicles, and we, I think, are at the point where in limited volume it is reliable enough for vehicles. Yeah. Um, the, again, going back to like, you know, limited production is easy, or prototype production is easy, but high volume production is hard. Um, there are a number of challenges in, in transitioning from uh, sort of small-scale production to a, a large-volume production. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not to get too much into the weeds of things, but right now we have a challenge with um, basically the what's called calendaring or, or basically squashing the cathode material to a, a, um, a particular height. So it just goes through these rollers and gets and get squashed, like like pizza dough, basically, uh, <laughs> and but very hard pizza dough, um, and the it, it's causing it's it's denting the calendar rolls. Um, this is not something that that happened when the calendar rolls were smaller, <laughs> but it is happening when the calendar rolls are bigger. <laughs> so just like uh, we're like okay, we weren't expecting that. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not a like science problem. It's an engineering problem. It's yeah, not a question yeah. of if. It's a question of when. And this yeah. And focused on on resolving these limiting processes as quickly as possible. Exactly. Um, yeah, and on on, on the reliability side, uh, as Elon mentioned, we have successfully validated performance and the lifetime uh, durability of the 4680 cells produced Cato, um, and we're continuing ongoing verification of that reliability. We're actually accruing over one million equivalent miles on our cells that we produce every month in in our testing activity. Million mile battery. Very clear yeah. on high quality cells for, for all of our customers. Um, and yeah, we're just focused on the unlucky limiting steps in the in the in the facility. Um, and with the engineers focused on those few steps remaining, we're gonna break through as you know as fast as possible. Um, meantime we're we're you know we have a, a massive amount of equipment um, on order and arriving for the, the high volume uh, cell production uh, in uh, Austin and Berlin, and um, but, but obviously given what we've learned uh, with the pilot plant, which is 
in, 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 um, in Fremont, which is really quite a big plant by, by most standards. Um, we will have to modify a bunch of that equipment. So, ah. um, you know, it won't be able to start like immediately. Uh, but it seems like, uh, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, we think most likely uh, we will hit an annualized rate uh, of 100 gigawatt hours a year sometime next year. We'll have all the equipment installed yeah. to accomplish uh, 100 gigawatt hours, and it's, it's possible yeah. uh, that by the end of the year we will be at an annualized rate of 100 gigawatt hours by yeah. the end of the year. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my guess is more likely than not, about 50% of, of reaching 100 gigawatt hours a year by the end of next year on an annualized rate, something like that. Yep. Um, but it could shift by a little bit. So uh, yeah, but it's and like nothing as Drew mentioned, nothing fundamental. No, uh, just a lot of work. Yeah, and and even to the large roller question, Elon, right? Like on the anode side, the large rollers work great, no concerns. And so we're just learning as we go. Um, and uh, and the the nice thing about having that facility, you know, on the fast track like we had it, and we talked about it at, at Battery Day, was really de-risking the the big factories here. Um, yeah. That's what we've done. Um, and we've learned, learned a lot, and uh, with each successive iteration, um, the ramp up and the equipment installation will be faster and more stable. Yeah, that was smart. All right, thank you very much. And, and the last question from retail uh, is from Emmett. Uh, can Elon do an interview with one of our YouTube channels once or twice a year? I would nominate David Lee on investing or Rod Mauer's Tesla Daily Or the Tesla Life. The first possible <laughs> <laughs> Just say yeah, you'll think on it and move I think, on. Yeah, I'll do, do an interview. Um, I mean, just bear in mind, like, if I'm doing interviews, then I, I, I can't do actual other work, you know, so uh, <laughs> it's not, um, you know. Say so you're too busy, Elon. Oh, only so much time in the day, so. Um, he but, manages yeah, I'll, to I'll, get plenty of these I'm, interviews. I'm going to do it annually, but I'll do it once. I think also, like, um, this is the. I became the boss, so people would stop putting stuff on my know. schedule. <laughs> um, I'd say the last time I'll do earnings calls, but this is the. I Ooh. will no longer be default doing earnings calls. Uh, oh, you mean up here? Uh, obviously, I'll do the annual shareholder meeting, but um, I think uh, going forward, I I will. Um, most likely not be on earnings calls unless there's something really important that um, that I need to say. Usually it's the CFO, so that makes sense. Okay. They're going to transition to be like other companies. Questions. Uh, the first one, and we covered uh, a lot of this already. Can you please update us on timelines for the start of production of Berlin and Austin Model Y, Cybertruck, and the Semi? Do you expect the ramp of Cybertruck to be as difficult as it is a new process? I think Cybertruck ramp will be difficult because it's such a new architecture. Um, I mean, it's going to be a great product. It might, I think, be our best product ever. Um, but it does a lot of fundamentally new uh, design ideas in Cybertruck. Nobody's ever really made a car like this before, um, a vehicle like this before. So um, there'll probably be challenges. Uh, no one's ever made a hat like that before. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thank you. I think question two and question three we can skip uh, given we have already addressed it. So I'll go to question four. In five years' time, how much faster better could you be at manufacturing capacity expansion using cut and paste? And what are the biggest issues you need to solve to get to that rate? Well, like I said, uh, I think we might be the, the fastest growing uh, company in history for any large manufactured item. So those who have not actually been involved in a manufacturing ramp have just no idea how painful and difficult it is. Uh, it's like, you know, this, this, you got to eat a lot of glass and uh, for a manufacturing ramp, it's hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you look at the expansion we've done in Shanghai, um, you know, that, that factory was built in less than a year and ramped in, you know, five to six months to full volume. When you no, consider no, cut and paste, that. That. Year. And when you consider cut and paste, we've repeated that, you know, in, in, in Fremont and whatever. But now with Berlin and Austin, we have new uh, um, factories and new designs. And so there's always challenges, as you, as you said, Elon, with, with new designs and ramping that. But I think having teams in three locations or three continents will definitely expand our ability and our capacity to, um, you know, grow more lines uh, rather than just having the one uh, factory in Fremont that we had, you know, your Definitely will help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, for Shanghai, it was incredible at team both, both the factory in 11 months, but it took longer than, it's longer than building the factory. Christmas hot. It, it took longer than that to actually reach volume production, high volume production. Um, so it took about a year. Uh, so and, and if, when you when you put a factory in a new geography, um, in order for that factory to be efficient, you have to localize the supply chain. So it's, there's no such thing as cut and paste. It does not exist. Um, and that you know, it would obviously, be insane to do vehicle production. In Europe, but send vast numbers of parts from North America. That would be that, that, that would make the you know producing in Europe, for example, um, just crazy. Um, you, you've got to localize the supply chain to have efficiency, and then you, you're moving as fast as as your least lucky, uh, least good supplier. Um, yeah, it's only the supply chains where you go like you know. Three or four layers deep. Uh, it's it's frankly, it, uh, I feel at times that we are inheriting all force majeure of Earth. So if anything goes wrong anywhere on Earth, something happens to mess up the supply chain. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think the human capital, the human capital growth, though. Of Having factory here, Berlin, Shanghai, Fremont, does allow us to maybe not exponentially grow, but well, hopefully we exponentially. are exponentially growing. Yeah, hopefully maintain that exponential growth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, it, it's also it takes a, a while to hire all the people and train all the people to operate the factory. A factory is like a giant cybernetic collective. Um, and you can't just hire 10,000 people and have them have it work instantly. It's not possible. Um, 
I really encourage more people to get involved in manufacturing. I think, especially in the U.S., like this has just not been an area where you know all that many smart people have gone into. Um, I think the U.S. has an overallocation of talent in finance and law. Um, it's both a criticism and a compliment. I'm <laughs> um, not saying we shouldn't have people in finance and law. I'm just saying that this might be maybe we have too many smart people <laughs> in those arenas. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, so. Uh, manufacturing is fun. Yeah, manufacturing is great. Um, it's a very interesting problem to solve, um, and, and uh, obviously um, you can't ha have stuff unless someone makes it. <laughs> That's how you get stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. And let's go to the last in investor question. Uh, does Tesla plan to offer more services beyond FSD or high-speed connectivity as part of its subscription bundle going forward? What areas in particular present an opportunity? Games. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot of ideas on this. Um, Really, uh, full self-driving is the main thing. Um, you know, things are obviously headed towards, you know, full auto fully autonomous electric vehicle future. And I think Tesla is well positioned, and, and frankly, is, is the leader objectively in, this, in both of those arenas: uh, electrification and autonomy. Um, so, um, there's always it's always tempting to try to find. Um, Analogies, but but you know, with other companies, and whatever. But really, the value of a fully electric, uh, autonomous fleet is insanely gigantic, boggles the mind, really. So that will be one of the most valuable things that is ever done in the history of civilization. Thank you very much. And now let's go back to analyst Q&A, please. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. In the interest of time, we ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Our first question comes from Colin Rush with Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Can you speak to the, the attach rates for FSD uh, so far and, and what you're, you're targeting in terms of the subscription levels? Yeah, it, it's not worth commenting on right now. It's not meaningful. Uh, we really need um, full stop driving. Boring bonehead. So beta to be in <laughs> widely available. So he just didn't say it. it. Um, otherwise, it would be pointless to, to read anything into where things are right now. Um, so, yeah. Okay, and, and then just the, the follow-up there is about the, the, the cadence of the regulatory environment, keeping up with the technology. You know, are you seeing meaningful evolution in terms of the regulators really understanding the technology and, and beginning to set some standards here sometime in the near term? Um, at least in um, the U.S., we, we, we don't see uh, regulation as a fundamental limiter. Um, We've, got to, we've obviously got to make it work and then demonstrate that it, the reliability is significantly in excess of the average human driver um, for it to be allowed, um, you know, for, for, for people to be able to use it without 
uh, paying attention to the road. Um, uh, but we, I think we, we have a massive fleet, so it will be, I think, uh, straightforward to make the argument on statistical grounds um, just based on the number of interventions, uh, you know, or especially interventions that would result in a crash uh, at scale. We think we'll have billions of miles of travel to uh, be able to show that uh, it is, you know, the safety of the car with the autopilot on is uh, you know, 100% or 200% or more safer than the average human driver. At that point, I think it would be uh, unconscionable to not to allow the autopilot because the car just becomes way less safe. It would be sort of like, if you take the elevator analogy, you know, uh, back in the day, you used to have elevator operators uh, with like a big sort of switch that, that, and they would, they would operate the elevator and, and move between floors. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that get tired or, or maybe drunk or something um, or distract, distracted, and every now and again, somebody would be kind of shared in half between floors. What um, state do we think will be first? We have cars. Um, autonomy will become so safe that it will be unsafe to manually operate the, the car, relatively speaking. Um, Arizona's and, uh, been pretty uh, AV forward. Uh, obviously, we just get in, a, in an elevator, we press the button for which floor we want, and it just takes us there safely. Um, and it would, it would be quite alarming if it was elevators were operated by a person with a giant switch. Uh, that's how it would be with cars. Thank you. Let's go to the next question, please. Next question comes from Ladoichi with Wolf Research. Your line is open. Hi, everybody. Um, your your cost of goods sold per vehicle is already down to the mid-$37,000 range in the quarter. It's, uh, it's down $5,000 year over year, despite of the inefficiencies that, that you talked about. Um, and I know that a lot uh, is going to change from here, just given how mix is going to evolve. But if you're successful on the structural pack and front and rear castings and the launch of the 4680 cell, can you just maybe give us a sense of what a successful outcome would look like maybe a year from now? Um, obviously, a lot has to go right, but just any, any kind of uh, broad framework for us to think about. Yeah, it, it's really difficult for us to, we, we, to to make specific predictions. It's very difficult. Um, you know, I think you know we feel confident of you know at, say at least a fifty percent growth year over year next year, um, and and maybe it's a hundred percent. But that's uh, uh, you know we, we uh, you need a lot of crystal balls to figure out exactly what it's going to be, and we just it is literally impossible to make a specific prediction. Um, but, you know, at least 50, maybe 100, something like that. Okay. Um, and, and maybe um, just separately from this, um, can you just clarify what the status is of uh, some of the advances in, in battery manufacturing, uh, things like dry cathode mixing that, that you talked about on, on uh, battery day? Uh, what's the timeline? How, how are those uh, evolving? 
Is this guy now listening? Yeah, yeah we, we commented yeah. on it uh, today um, they already, actually. They covered but, it. You know, in the, in the facility at Cato, over 90% of the, the like, processes have demonstrated rate there, but we are limited by the unlucky few that have not, and that's what we're working on. Uh, one of them that Elon mentioned was um, running the, the full-scale... Glitch. Uh, cathode calendar. Uh, we're, we're working through some uh, improvements that we need to make to that equipment and to the, the actual raw material itself to, to not have those limitations. But again, it's an engineering problem. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Um, on the mixing side, we haven't actually really had any challenges specific to your question. Um, and, uh, fundamentally, we're still happy with the, the dry process direction in terms of the factory footprint, complexity, utility consumption, space, uh, and overall complexity simplification. Yeah. And I mean, and the cost associated with everything that I just mentioned. Yeah. And, and don't overemphasize dry cathode. I mean, it's, it is a, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like 10 or 15% of the cost improvement or something like that. I don't know, 20% maybe? Over oh, when? Oh. Yeah, 10, 10, 10, 10 closer percent. to 10. Yeah. yeah, so so it's like, just, just like people don't think like this is like the Messiah or something. Uh, you know, wet versus dry <laughs> reduces, to dry is like 10% less cost than wet. <laughs> so it's not, um, you know, not 10%, you know, still nothing to sneeze at, um, especially if you're making, you know, hundreds of gigawatt hours a year. Um, but it's not, it's not the, Basically. Yeah. yeah, it's more about the space yeah. in the factory. Thank you very much. Wet, we can go to the, the drying area. Place, takes a large area. Right, and eliminating the drawing requirement. with New Street Research. Your line is open. And the energy that goes with it, etc. Hey, exactly. thanks. Um, thanks very much for taking my question. I have another question actually on batteries, but uh, on a slightly different angle. I was wondering how um, you're looking at your sourcing strategy for the 4680. You've talked a lot about all the work you're doing to develop your in-house production. Uh, but what about asking other battery manufacturers to do 4680 cells with their own technology, uh, maybe less uh, less innovation than uh, what you guys are lining up internally? And, and I was wondering if the first 4680 cells that we'll see uh, on the road will definitely come from Tesla's own manufacturing uh, lines, or whether they could be coming actually from outside suppliers as well. Now, have a quick follow-up. Uh, yeah, we, we are in fact uh, working with our um, existing suppliers to produce 4680 uh, format cells, um, and uh, you know, it, it, this is just a guess right now. Um, but you know, I, I see us sort of like consolidating around 4680. Uh, nickel-based structural pack and uh, for long-range vehicles, and then uh, not necessarily a, a 4680 format, but some other format uh, for uh, iron-based cells. Um, and so, we, 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 right now, we, we kind of have the Baskin Robbins of batteries situation, uh, <laughs> where there's <laughs> so many formats and, and so many chemistries. Uh, that it's uh, like we've got like 36 flavors of 
a battery at this point. You know, um, <laughs> That's this, funny. Is, this, this results in a, an engineering drag coefficient um, where each variant of cell chemistry and format uh, requires uh, a certain amount of engineering to maintain it and troubleshoot, and um, and this uh, inhibits our forward progress. So it is going to be important to consolidate to uh, just maybe ideally two form factors, maybe three, but, but ideally two, um, and um, and then just uh, you know one one nickel chemistry and one iron chemistry, and uh, so uh, we don't have to, to troubleshoot so many different variants. Yeah, and towards that end, we're, we are engaging with the suppliers that we've had good partnerships with on 4680 designs to enable that simplification and. You know, so so far so good. You know, they're working on, uh, they're bringing their core competencies to bear on that. We're not mandating like what's going on inside, but but uh, it, it's been a good collaboration. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we we do expect to see you know significant increases in supply from our existing suppliers in addition to the the sales that Tesla is making. So it's it's both. Um, you know, sometimes I get questions from our sales suppliers of like, are we just gonna Make all the cells ourselves, and that we're like, no, please make as many as you possibly can and supply them to us. Um, we we have a significant unmet demand uh, in stationary storage. Uh, Megapack is basically sold out through the end of next year, I believe. Yeah. Um, we have a massive backlog in power wall demand. The demand of power wall versus production is an insane mismatch. Uh, now, part of that problem is also the, the yeah the semiconductor issue. Um, so we, we use a lot of the same chips in the, in the power wall as we do in the car. So it's like, which one do you want to make, cars or power walls? So we we need to make cars, so therefore power wall production has, has been reduced. Um, uh, but as that semiconductor storage is alleviated, um, then we can um, massively ramp up power wall production. Um, you know, I think we, we have a chance of, of hitting an annualized rate of, you know, a million units of power wall next year. Uh, maybe, wow. Uh, to a sort of on the order of 20,000 a week. Um, but again, dependent on cell supply and uh, semiconductors. Um, but in terms of demand, I think there's probably demand for in excess of a million power walls per year. And and, and, and a, actually, and just a vast amount of megapacks for utilities. Uh, as the world transitions to a sustainable, sustainable energy production, solar and wind are intermittent and by their nature really need battery packs um, in order to provide a steady flow of electricity. Um, and when you look at you know, all the utilities in the world, this is a vast amount of batteries that are needed. Um, that's why, you know, long term we really think, you know, it's a sort of combined Tesla and suppliers need to produce uh, at least a thousand gigawatt hours a year, and maybe two thousand gigawatt hours a year. Okay, great, thank you. And I have a quick question. I know, uh, Elon, you you don't you, you don't think it's meaningful today, but I'd be curious to know, you know, if you have any stats about uh, when you you announce a new pricing on a on a SSD moving from ten grand a to one ninety nine. Without the lock-in, 
I'd be curious to understand, you know, how it uh, affected behavior and if you saw like a massive uptake, uh, uptake in the service. And I'm not thinking about people looking at it as an FSD, but more, you know, to to try the most advanced version of uh, autopilot um, and to uh, uh, and to try it. So in, in the first days, you've announced the pricing. Have you seen like a, a very significant spike in a uh, in the tech rate, and can you get, get us, give us a sense of uh, how big it was? Who knows what I'll say? Okay, so you're, you're asking, like, is the FSD tech rate too expensive, and, and that's why we're doing subscription? Or I'm not sure if I understand your question correctly. No, my question is from the time you announced like the, uh, the subscription at uh, the $199 per month, uh, how, how much did like the tech rate increase, how, like, like the percentage of people who who basically took uh, took the subscription as they bought a new car versus how it was when they had to pay 10 grand at front? It's been days. How, yeah, how do you expect this information? Here. I mean, I think we're right. still early in understanding how our uh, how FSD subscription will unfold, but a couple of data points here. So uh, we took a look at our backlog to see, you know, of customers in our backlog who have ordered FSD, did they cancel, you know, presumably to go to subscription after they take delivery? And the level of cancellations there was not seeing cannibalization there. It's possible that that changes, but that was also part of our pricing strategy at $99 and $199. Um, yeah, I mean, we, also part of our pricing strategy at $99 and $199. Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, it's like any given price is going to be wrong, so we'll, we'll just adjust it over time um, as as we see, you know, the, the value proposition makes sense to people. So um, we're just really, I'm not thinking about this a lot right now. Uh, we need to make full self-driving work um, in order for it to be a compelling value proposition. Otherwise, people are... Uh, you know, kind of betting on the future. I mean, right, like right now, is it, does it make sense for somebody to do FSD subscription? I think it's debatable. Um, but if it, um, once we have uh, full self-driving widely deployed, uh, then the value proposition will be clear. And at that point, uh, I think basically everyone will, will use it. Uh, or it'd be rare, rare, a rare individual who doesn't. Yeah, okay. solve the first Thank problem you very first. Much, uh, for your mm -hmm. help, and uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, thanks for all your questions, and we'll speak to you again in three months' time. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Rather concise today. This me, uh... concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. Yeah, so you've heard it. It's uh, we got a number of different points, and I wanted to start with uh, Elon dropping out of the calls. I am for one very yeah. disappointed because, of course, when Elon talks, anything can happen. So uh, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that if his other staff is answering the questions, a lot of those questions are going to be answered with, "We're not answering at this point." You know, I don't think anyone's this going is a to slip an earnings line. call. Oh, why are you asking me this BS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there will definitely be less interesting. 
Yeah, and like a, that might be a good thing. That that it, might be it, a good thing. Because when we're sitting there yeah. listening to it, don't you guys? When, when there's a big when there's a big pause, I am thinking anything could happen at this point. Like mm -hmm. he could come out with a crazy answer. He could come out with something completely different, or he could say no comment. But uh, yeah, that uh, if if he rarely says no comment. <laughs> if, if he's mm -hmm. going to have people that are. Uh, in his place, they're going to follow the normal corporate rules that you typically hear in a lot of earnings calls, where they they indicate that there's no comment at this time, or that uh, it would be taken under consideration. But at this point, there's no comment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he didn't say he would never attend. So no, not never. Um, he said yeah. only if it's important. So then, if we hear his voice, they're like, "Oh snap, what's going on?" <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe it's just to build drama. He'll he'll just do every other one. To... <laughs> and 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 the in the shareholders meetings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some podcasts. <laughs> yeah, he said I'll do one. <laughs> Hopefully, he yeah. picks one that doesn't leave a bad taste in his mouth. Because otherwise, yeah, yeah. Out of, out of the equation. Well, I mean, he's done Joe Rogan, and he's he's done lots of different. Uh, MKBHD interviewed him. He's he's done lots of stuff, and I think he'll just continue to do that at least once a year. Yeah, those are those are big pros. Those aren't Tesla shows. I mean, a lot of them are Tesla pro Tesla, but they're not Tesla shows. Hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, Ryan McCaffrey's show, the um, Ride, the Ride the Lightning, yeah, which is very a Tesla focused show. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't think that that changed anything about he'll he'll do them periodically when he has time. Yeah. Uh, when it fits the schedule, um, but if you know some some factories lines down, he's going to be sleeping on the factory floor, not doing podcast interviews. Right. I'm glad he didn't <laughs> commit because that would have been, like he said, you know, he his schedule's tight as it is. Well, uh, next, uh, one of the items he talked about was um, uh, answering a question uh, was about the superchargers. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, we discussed a little bit about this in our previous shows. Uh, but what was opened up here was something about uh, time-based. Time and uh, an adapter. Right. They, they wanted to be uh, conscious of how uh, long that particular charger is in use so that it's freed up for others to use. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see how the app works with that. Uh, he indicated mm -hmm. that a start uh, with another vehicle would be using the Tesla app, plugging it in and indicating that you're at, uh, you know, pump 2A. Yeah. And it would then begin its charging cycle. Um, but you uh, see. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, it, it would be interesting to see if how that progresses. We thought that maybe there would be a possibility that the car would have to transmit information. Well, that was my question is now if you have a mm -hmm. compatible car like the Ford or the Volvo and you plug them in, will they say, hey, I'm serial number seven, uh, charge Susie Q? Uh, or, or will it say, hey, now you got to open your app, even though there's no technical reason for you to open the app? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and my guess is they're going to do, um, you know, the, the minimal viable product is you start with the app and that's how it works. And then as more cars support plug-in charge and more people who are not driving Teslas join the network, then you add plug-in charge support. But yeah, you but don't need you, to start there. When you sign it's, up for the app and you say, hey, I've got a Ford Mustang, then it's going to say, oh, you can plug in just like the Teslas because that's that's no work on their part. It automatically charges your Tesla account and comes right off your credit or debit card rather than well, having to design the, the app interface because um, you can sign up on the website and then you won't need an app for the, the people right. today you could run them today if they had a proper connection 
versus the Except others. You, you have, have to, to add make that. Yeah, you have to add support for the whole plug and charge protocol to the supercharger network. You have right, to then that... set up the billing for it. And well, well uh, if if the Teslas today use plug and charge, then then no, they, they don't. But well, yeah, well, no, if, it, the, if they don't, then yeah, you the, will yeah, the do Teslas that. today have had this way before the IEEE standard for plug and charge was finalized. So it's it's going to be different. Well, they, and, like like all the other stuff they had was before it was standardized too, and they ended up using mm -hmm. the exact same signaling and everything, just a different connector. So it's, mm. it's not impossible is what I'm saying. It, right. Yeah. That might be low-hanging fruit if there's enough of them. Yeah, and I, I agree with you they'll get there. I just don't think it's the priority because it's it's a small number of cars right now that do it. So you need to do it the other way. And if you're going to do it the other way, you might as well focus on getting that done first. For everybody. And, and yeah, exactly. Two models. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So, so the next point with that was I'm wondering now, are they going to have the inverse of what we have where as you slow down, you pay more rather than... As you go faster, you you pay more. <laughs> right, that is just, a, just to get them out because you don't want a, a bolt sitting there at fifty kilowatts for ninety minutes. Yeah, and there's still the difficulty. If this were in the U.S., some states you cannot sell electricity; you have to sell access. Yeah, uh, and and so that I assume would just be a fixed rate all the time, regardless of the energy rate. And then in places where you can sell electricity, but um, they so those 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 ahead. states they do it based on. So they have the ones where they can sell per kilowatt, and then they just charge you per kilowatt, and they charge you right. differently if you can take the kilowatts faster. But then on the other ones, they basically charge you for parking. Uh, yes. So you, you pay one rate for high speed, one rate for low speed, and then another is your idle fee, which is just ridiculously high to convince you to move. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And then the other question uh, in all of this uh, was where are they going to start? Which yeah. that mm -hmm. was not answered. Not California, but they, uh, <laughs> Europe they and did, China. Yeah, because they they're did, like you said, they're already compatible with the plug. They they did said that there was going to be a problem with North America with the plug difference, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Elon said something about an adapter doesn't want them to be stolen. Uh, yeah. I would think the easiest solution for that would be to uh, just That'll install some extra cables, yeah, and also CCS cables mm -hmm. on selected superchargers. That would also keep the number of chargers down to uh, a certain percentage that you'd be comfortable with based on uh, how many of those chargers are used on a regular basis too. So yeah. you could have a supercharger with 10 chargers and three of them, you would put CCS on the cable. But then, know, you've just got, thought. Then, you've, then you've got all that expense of new cables, not that they haven't done it before with Europe, right. but then you've also got the situation of some of these uh, entitled Tesla owners uh, that even though the station is full, they're going to use the compatible ones first just to make sure that they don't have to share with, well, with the riffraff. Well, that's, that's a possibility. Um, uh, the, other, the, other, the other problem would be that you everyone has to have an adapter. If you yeah, want to use the yeah. Tesla network, you've got to buy the you know $400 adapter. Right, and then the, problem, the cool thing with the adapter is then that solves the problem of worrying about the app because then you can make your adapter work the exact same way your cars already work, assuming that you have yeah. the chips. <laughs> that would make a lot more sense, I think, because yeah. uh, you could put whatever communication protocol you want in there. You then sign your adapter up to the Tesla network, and then uh, you plug in whatever you want with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you don't have to worry about people stealing them because they're individual owners. They're theirs, and they lock into the car, so they can't and they, and they will lock taken. because that's a requirement for DC charging is it lock. So. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That, so that, that, would that be a sounds like the better North American solution to me. Yep. And then and then for rest of the world, it's already there. You just got to, at that point, 
make the, you know, like you said, do the app that way. It's mm-hmm. like you said, Patrick, it's, there's so many cars out there that don't currently support plug and charge. Uh, the app would be the least common denominator, even though the other way would be easier. You're looking at maybe what four cars worldwide uh, in mass production. Maybe yeah, four. Is it that many? I, yeah. I only know of two off the top of my head, but yeah. I think it's a different two in Europe. <laughs> oh, okay. And then the Mustangs in both. Yeah. Okay. And then outside of superchargers, another thing that was touched upon was the 4680 uh, battery. And, mm-hmm. of course, uh, a few questions came in on this about um, uh, speed of deployment, uh, a comment based on what Elon had said last quarter about them not being quite production ready. And uh, the clarification was put out there that the the battery is production ready. It's just the issue of getting the number of production pushed up higher to amount where it's meaningful. Uh, so you can definitely put out small amounts that are production ready and can go into vehicles, but uh, they're trying to work on the uh, issue of having several different factories punch these batteries out at a faster and faster speed uh, to supply you know, all the cars. So uh, it becomes a question of getting so- that machinery operating correctly. He talked about an issue they had with the uh, top of the can being pushed down or pressed down uh, during production. They also talked about the purchase of a, a bunch of machinery based on Cato Road, and they've had to iterate a little bit, and now that machinery that's being shipped to the other gigafactories, it's going to have to be modified slightly based on what they've discovered uh, with the, you know, the mass uh, production. Uh, what they have to modify that equipment in order to uh, achieve its goals. Yeah, so it's a production ramp, just like we saw with Model 3, just except that hopefully this time it's not risking the company. Right, yeah. It's, it's really smart of them to do this in a pilot plant. And, you know, they, they are working out all the bugs here, and then when they install them in Germany and Texas, uh, they're not uh, stumbling over these on a, a bigger scale. And, and, and this was also in connection with his comments about not being able to copy and paste factories, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that was something he thought he could do initially from the Giga One presentation. Right. And then the other, the other point that I took notice is that uh, they're not holding back production of the Model Y. Once the factory's ready to go, there may be a hybrid model that the Model Y contains not a structural pack, it may contain a, a, a pack currently that they're using, as well as adding the elements of the uh, one-piece front or the one-piece back or both. Uh, but you know, obviously, their goal is to have a structural pack and the one-piece front and the one-piece back. But he said they're not going to slow down uh, if they have to move forward with one or the other missing uh, in a current iteration. That will just be added after the fact as they uh, get comfortable with that process. I'm surprised that they that they aren't going to do a structural pack with the 2170s if if it comes down to that because they they they've already got the cells and and from the way he described the structural pack uh, once, once it doesn't really matter what's inside once you add your adhesive uh, assuming that the cooling will work with the smaller cells uh, that might be it yeah because because the 40 the 4680s are going to use uh, one end for cooling not both and not the, the long side. Yeah, so maybe maybe it is a cooling issue that would prevent them from doing that. Yeah, still glue them in. <laughs> yeah, still glue them in, but uh, might not be as as rigid. So maybe that also would affect it as well. Right. 
Yeah. And then that leads us into our next uh, uh, point, which was uh, Powerwall. Oh, yes. Uh, batteries uh, supply tower, they're definitely constrained. We heard a story uh, recently about um, them uh, having orders for 80,000 and only be able to ship 20,000. And then and the Megapack uh, sold out. Yeah, and the Megapack sold out for a year plus into the future. Mm. Uh, so uh, he mentioned about ultimately they believe that the Powerwall is going to be selling a million units a year uh, with about 20,000 being, I think he said 20,000 per week uh, adds up to that mm -hmm, million. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, obviously the demand far outweighs what they can produce at this point. And I just thinking, okay, with that many power walls just sitting, that's that's extra income that's just sitting there, ready to be grabbed. Once they get the the manufacturing down for uh, the 4680s going into the cars, then that's going to free up a bunch of 2170s uh, that are currently being made at uh, the Panasonic uh, installation at Gigafactory Nevada. Yeah. So uh, that will be a, a big boost. And he talked a little bit about the chip shortage as well, affecting power packs as well as cars. Yeah. So they're using some of that same infrastructure in the in the chip and the boards uh, in both the cars and the uh, the power walls, which which makes complete sense. And he called out power wall, but not uh, the the power pack or the mega pack. I'm curious then if they use different chips, or if it's just because they're already sold out that they've already got their allocation. Mm. Because they, yeah. they, they, they basically just use multiple Powerwall sets because the Powerwall has two uh, two banks of cells and then the power pack is just 10, up up to 10 Powerwalls uh, guts and then the mega pack is several power packs <laughs> in an yeah. array, <laughs> in a shipping container. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it would make sense that it is modular like that because yeah. that would allow them to produce one pack and it slides into multiple units, either they're on its own in a wall or into a uh, mega pack or into a power, uh, mm -hmm. uh, another another device. So having those sleds being able to load it into whatever you're using would certainly make sense. But yeah. uh, those, but a, I, I believe they are 2170s, right? They, they're all they are. 2170s. They're all 2170s. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, though, if, if, if you need one chip per unit you can maybe do one power wall or one power pack instead of you know having yeah there may, there may be some economies of scale so, when you know. get them into packs and mega packs yeah definitely so yeah i like to get the, the cells but you don't have the chips and the power pack sells for more <laughs> mm -hmm. go ahead i, I just you like, like the idea that they have this fungibility um so they can order yeah. A lot of batteries and then they're going to prioritize vehicles but if they uh for whatever reason don't have the parts or the lines are down or or whatever then those can just go right into these other products yeah. and the other products um if they have to wait you know six months before they can start selling um power walls then so be it because they're battery constrained for vehicles and they're going to that so uh especially, it's, it's nice that they have that fungibility yeah especially that point he pointed out about putting iron in the cars uh except mm -hmm. for the ones that need the range or the power so those are going to be yes. high nickel so yeah so the, basically your your model three standard range and your model y standard range are going to be running on power wall batteries <laughs> yeah 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 higher nickel higher um iron, iron content yeah mm -hmm. and and another thing with those comments made uh was that obviously the cars are still taking 
uh, number one spot in Elon's mind. Yeah, uh, they are battery constrained. That continues to happen. Uh, if they are chip or battery or whatever, uh, it goes to the cars first. That's mm -hmm. what their that's what their number one priority continues to be, which makes sense because they're probably yeah. making a, a higher margin uh, on the overall product. Yep, and then you get a lot more uh, visible angry customers whose cars are delayed than than some <laughs> construction project that's been delayed by six months because a the power wall is late and b lumber shot up to something ridiculous and is also back ordered for, for, for wood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but I'm sure that there are a lot of people uh, after the power the the grid problems that Tex, Tex, Texas has had yes. that they want power walls. I right. mean, if it's it, you're losing power in the summer because too many people are running their SC, you're losing power in the winter because the uh, grid isn't winterized and th these uh, freak winter weather events are happening more often. Just, uh, we're, we've entered a stage of global weirding. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, oh my, it's a hundred year, um, uh, un event and they seem to happen every year <laughs> yes Just yeah out, all time high all time high all time high <laughs> new <Yeah>. low <laughs> yes. so uh, if you think next summer people aren't going to be using as much uh, electricity for ac you're wrong yes. <laughs> it's just there are going to be more people installing ac and more people using ac it's in and the, the grid stress is going to be there I'm, i've been running on batteries for the last 55 minutes just because we do that every day during peak time to yeah. uh, do peak shaving and uh you know well uh, you make you make a good point patrick uh in your situation where air conditioning was not as imperative because of where you lived at one right. point it's starting to have an impact where you live. So there's only so many years you will suffer through uh, maybe uh, where your current air conditioner can't keep up. And yep. uh, at some point down the road, you will decide, you know what, I'd rather be comfortable and you will spend money on getting a, a larger air conditioning system, which of course will use more power. Yeah, exactly. But, only about half the right? homes. Only about half the homes here have AC because mm -hmm. most of the time you don't need it. And then you look at someplace like Seattle, only about a third of the homes have AC. And I'm guessing that that is going to be significantly more next year. And the ones that have it don't necessarily have a, an appropriately sized unit because right, yeah, get that they're, under, they're under they're underpowered, yeah, and they only needed right. two rooms, and now they need the whole house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. So that's interesting. And another point that was brought up uh, was the combination of the batteries. Okay, so. They mentioned the million mile battery. Yeah, yeah they yeah. did. Okay. So yeah, that battery day, they never quite said it, but this yeah. time they did. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously that's still in their thinking, uh, yeah. which is fantastic uh, because that battery, I believe will open up a lot of doors and it, and it could also become rolling into the virtual power plant thought that has mm -hmm. been going on that Tesla has introduced now in uh, California, California mm -hmm. where people can sign up for the virtual power plant, you know, because your, 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 your walled battery is about 13.5 kilowatts. Uh, but your model three long range is 77 kilowatts. So if you had a million mile battery pack that you weren't concerned about it being drawn down and used in that fluctuation, a vehicle to grid onto a power plant, uh, virtual power plant would be a huge win uh, for someone that's not using their car at that time. Yeah, and Terry, Terry in the chat brings up a good point that uh, all the volume manufacturers already know how to make lithium iron phosphate batteries. So this is right up their alley. It just 
fill it in a, in a cylindrical can instead of a uh, prismatic cell. Yes. Yeah. And um, every year the uh, batteries get a little more efficient. And now we're at the point where the uh, iron batteries are as good as the cobalt batteries were from whatever, five or seven years ago. And that allows them to be used in, in vehicles in and, uh, ways that, that in the past they would have just been only viable for stationary products. Yeah. And they're more tolerant. So you can do... Uh, you know, near zero to near full. The higher charging. Yep. For longer, yep. Yeah. Full cycles and yeah, heat. They're they don't care. Yep. <laughs> they're honey badger batteries. Right. And and so that will be that will be helpful for a car that has a lesser range, but at the same time you don't have to have that same rule of thumb, like, oh my goodness, it's so delicate, it's a lithium battery. I gotta make sure I gotta keep it in the right. yellow and I gotta make sure I don't get above ninety percent. Like, right. like, hey, you don't, you're going yeah. on a trip, fill it up. If you're not going on a trip, give it to 95, 90%. Yeah, if you don't leave mm -hmm. when you thought you would, it wouldn't matter because you can leave it at 100%. Exactly. Right, you don't have to worry about staying in the 80-20. Just do zero yeah. to 100. Boom. Right. Well, you wouldn't want to do zero because you want to be able to make sure you make it to the charger. Oh, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to feel bad about getting into the red. Like on mine, it's like I, if I see yellow, I start looking for charging. But if I'm in the red, I'm like, oh, it's not going to stay in the red and, and parked. Uh, right. I'm going to plug it Yes, in. yes. <laughs> Get yes. the juice. So, uh, yeah, those were the main points I jotted down uh, during. Um, how about you guys? Did you, is there anything I missed or you wanted to comment on as well? Definitely, the, you know, the analysts with the uh, with the whole, you know, Elon not being there, so they'll, they'll have to ask normal questions. But the question then is then with them being able to speak their same language between them and the CFO, will uh, will that will they still have the same roller coaster on earnings? For Tesla, it'll be more boring even for them. Yeah. Because obviously they already don't understand what's going on, and, and half of them were clearly not listening to what came before. Yeah, like the, 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 same question the anyway. one, the one <laughs> question where we commented on, was this guy listening? Yeah, uh, right. Because uh, he just repeated a, a, an a question that was answered. Uh, minutes not, before. Uh, not five <laughs> mm -hmm. minutes ago. So yes. it's almost like they're on hold to do their question, and they're not listening to the earnings call. Right. They're just, you know, sitting yeah. listening to the music on hold cuz uh, <laughs> that, that question was silly. Yeah. But we know it's not because of the way they give us the instructions in the beginning about how to how to ask your question and raise your hand, etc. Oh yeah. And then Definitely. Cybergrade brought up a point that they are obsessed with full self-driving as if the company will fail without it. Uh, mm -hmm. and and it is full self-driving is only going to be robo taxis replacing Uber and Lyft. Uh, you've got the boring company, you've got uh, all of the Tesla energy products and all the other AI stuff that's going to spin off of this. Uh, full self-driving is, is gravy and, and icing or whatever you want to call it. It's not it's not required to make the company succeed other than the amount of people they'll have to pay back. But, but it is but it is certainly it is a multiplier. It is. Like it's it's something yeah. that I understand why the analysts are, are asking about it, but what they don't understand is you have to solve the first problem first. Right. The, mm -hmm. the product has to be done and operational and and completely useful for the public to buy into it to start spending that uh, rate per money. month, yes. which which I believe will go up anyways. I don't the rate, think it's going to one ninety nine. Right. I think it's going to go up. So uh, it's but, but he, once it's he, more useful, more people will be willing to pay whatever the new rate is. Yeah, they mm -hmm. talked about as that actually rolls out. They talked about that the price would reflect that. Yeah. And Elon even agreed with most of the owners out there. Like, if you've got enhanced autopilot, uh, what are you getting for $100 a month other than um, stoplight control and the ability to use it off of the freeway? So, I mean, it's, it's not completely worthless. I mean, I've got it, but it's not to the point where he sees it um, being a major 
uh, input into the the income until he can give them more of what was advertised. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the reason that I think the analysts ask the questions that they do is they're always trying to fill out their model for next quarter. So that's their focus. That's all they care about is three and months. That's it, all that exactly. matters. That's all that matters to Next them year doesn't is, matter, even though that's right. like what we're building for. <laughs> right. I want to be able to put out my price target, and that means I need to know the take rate right now of how much money you're going to make on FSD over the next three months. Uh, which to retail long-term investors is irrelevant. I did like the way in the say questions, they, the question was five years from now, what do you think? Yes. And then in the, the retail, uh, and then the uh, financial advisors, uh, theirs was at most one year. So what's, yeah, what's going to happen for the next two weeks, Elon? Yeah, they have a completely <laughs> but, but different goal. Calendar two weeks, not Elon two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, there was one thing I did want to cover, and yeah. um, let me uh, share that window here. Absolutely. Let and then you had some pictures know. to share with us too. Yeah. So um, they did Mark not one as well. Cover on us. as much of this as I thought they would, but. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm going to have to go to the other screen so I can read it. Okay. Um, control, control scroll. <laughs> right. So can you see uh, what I'm highlighting here? Um, yeah, zoom it in more, please. You okay. got a lot of space on the sides. There we go. That's better. Okay. Yeah. So profitability 28.4% gap automotive gross margin, or almost 26%, excluding credits. So even without. The credits they mm -hmm. are they have almost a 26 percent gap gross margin on their vehicles and so gap is what those analysts want to hear anyway so that's perfect yes exactly yeah so you know and gap they're, they're they're doing it the generally acceptable way to do accounting not some shenanigan way of oh well we ignore the things that look bad and add these other things you know <laughs> well that was that's always the the argument they had whenever tesla didn't do it but they were always just saying we're just cutting out leasing because right yeah but yeah, the other so, cool thing to point out, I'm sorry to interrupt you before you continue, no, is that 28.4% is 3.4% higher than their target. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that the, uh, so the, the credits here make a 3% difference or a 2.6% difference. Mm -hmm. So uh, even if the uh, tax credits go away completely, that doesn't change the picture, which is always one of the, oh, well, Tesla's only profitable because of their uh, credits that they get and as soon as other EV, other automakers start making EVs that's all going to go away well here you go if it all went away it would make a 2.6% difference yeah uh, yeah not and, not and a Elon always says deal. every every call he's like hey don't worry about the credits uh, we're not counting on them but they're they're bonus money <laughs> right it's proven and, uh, it's bonus money <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's here's our proof. The other cool thing, and just you know, to highlight a few things, is that uh, they paid off a huge amount of debt. Uh, oh, uh, one point six billion in debt and finance lease repayments. So uh, when the company was, uh, let's say, there was more of a chance that they uh wouldn't be successful, th then you don't get as good a financing, and so. Now uh, it's pretty clear that they are uh, profitable. They're continuing to be profitable. They're continuing to make new records. And uh, so they're able to get much better deals. So you pay off the debt that's at higher rates. And if you need to have uh, uh, new debt, you can take it out at a better rate. So that was a, another good one from the uh, letter here. Exactly. 
There's some cool pictures in this. I don't know if uh, you guys have looked at it. You well, can go they, get... they did indicate also that that they were actually uh, talking from Gigafactory Texas, right? They were yeah, they, did. they were in there uh, doing the earnings call. Yeah, a little bit of echo too, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so here's Giga Berlin looking pretty complete. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh the Berlin paint shop. Oh, look oh, at that. Wait. You yeah. can say it'd be advanced. Man, yes. that looks like uh, a scene out of iRobot. Yes. <laughs> it does. Where they painted that <laughs> Audi. Yeah, it's just gonna start coming down this line and each robot applying their <laughs> code on there and giga texas there texas. we go yes yeah so on the left is six months ago and on the right is oh, present it's day. Swamp field yes it's it's uh it's, <laughs> mm. <Isn't> that <laughs> yep that's where they were calling from somewhere in this building yes now i wonder if they took the pictures or if they just borrowed it from one of the drone drone army <laughs> <laughs> i think they can afford a drone I mean, but, I don't uh, know they can afford it. But he, he said that rather than ask his crew, yeah. he just logs on and sees. Yeah, the exactly. Just yeah. just go onto YouTube and you've got a bazillion <laughs> pictures to pick from. Right. Yeah. What day do you want? We've got. Do you want morning, yeah. afternoon, what evening? Hour do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here is Giga Texas stamping press. So is this a? Cybertruck stamping press or a Model Y stamping press? That is a very good question. Well, they, um, they indicated as well during this call that Model Y is number one. That is yes, what's leading did. first. You, you can do number one and still get the other one done. Yeah, you you, get, you can work on the other one, but uh, production of Model Y is going to be before Cybertruck, and that's been an open question for a while. And it, it and actually, some of the people out there have been flip flopping back and forth as to which one it is, but they made it clear yeah. during this call. Right, for they now. clearly answered that until they changed their mind. Uh, yes. I like the caveat Casey's put in there. Yeah, <laughs> but, but even so, if if, if um, he he said that the Model Y is going to be their best seller, so why not focus on what you feel is going to be your best sales? Uh, yes. I mean, the, the Cybertruck, even though it, it competes in price with the Model Y, it's it's a ginormous vehicle. There's only going to be so many people who want something that looks like that. And, and and moves like that and takes up that much footprint. <laughs> right. That and they already know how to make the Model Y. They don't have to yes. figure it out. So it's not the, exactly copy and paste, but it, it's close. <laughs> right. They have a lot of experience with it. And uh, um, like Mark said, if if they can't go to structural battery pack, well, they already know how to do the uh, existing battery pack. So do yeah. that until you get the uh, other one figured out. If the yeah. stamping uh, isn't working perfectly, okay, well, now we do two parts instead of one, and, and uh, we can do that, and we can make the vehicles and deliver them. Exactly. I, wonder, I wonder how that will affect anybody who floats between factories if they're not as identical as possible. Hmm. Will there be a learning curve every time you, you move between factories? Might be a little bit, but I would imagine that there's not a lot of people that are on the line that will be moving. Yeah. You know, you may get supervisors or people right. that are higher up the chain. And they but, would get uh, corrected by any line manager. Hey, uh, no, yeah. don't do things like that around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you're one of the uh, robot engineers that troubleshoots difficult problems. Okay. Well, you're looking at all the details of everyone all the time anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can you can float pretty exactly. easily. Oh, and here's the roof crew. Yes, this is Texas. Okay. Yep. Yep. Model Y factory construction. Pretty I bet cool. your Model Y is just that that, that module that that one straight line. 
Yeah. Uh, these factories are like a mile long. It's uh, it's incredible. And uh, if you when you're designing it from scratch, you can make it so that it just goes down. Uh, uh, parts coming one in, cars coming out the other, and it's just a straight shot all the way instead of the zigzag thing that they've had yeah, to do in Fremont. Yeah, they have in Fremont, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's another thing to mention. Uh, Fremont, uh, Elon commented on Twitter that Fremont would resume uh, factory tours in a couple months. Good. So uh, factory tours have been shut down for quite some time. If you ever get a chance to take in a factory tour, I would highly suggest it. It's a uh, it's a great uh, it's a great experience. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Have you done one, Casey? I haven't made it out to California yet. Oh, yeah. Maybe you'll only have to go to Texas. I'm definitely <laughs> going to try to get my hands on the Texas tour. <laughs> cool. Uh, here's Giga Shanghai. Their expansion continues. The one that uh, Casey said I would win. win, and we all went, <laughs> yes, yes, you win. <laughs> and I think that was it for the photos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, impressive, impressive. Yes. So, uh, how how well or poorly will we do tomorrow in the stock market? So after hours, <laughs> I looked, uh, and it was already up seven or eight dollars. So uh, the 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 market seemed to like what they saw uh, in that. Um, uh, so I don't know if anything has changed since you know the the call that was from the newsletter that we just looked at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so no stock see, advice here, they, but they, uh, yeah. they beat they beat Wall Street, you know, um, estimates. Um, so my guess is the stock drops tomorrow. That's the way it goes. It goes that way. <laughs> it's only if they miss their targets that uh, the price will go up. I, it's it's no. a topsy-turvy world on Wall no, Street. No, because if they miss the target, it goes down hard. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the market is always trying to look three to six months out, right? So yeah. it's not about whether they made last quarter. It's what they project for next quarter. So that's that's why you often Boring bonehead questions. <laughs> yes, yes. They're trying well, to read the tea leaves. <laughs> they're only looking that far out. That's what they're trying to figure out. And yeah. um, and so, so it doesn't. There is this weird, uh, you know, what did they say now versus what is that going to mean later? Yeah, and they're just as bad at my, as Microsoft at uh, at saying one thing, and you have to parse what it means. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like uh, there's weird things like. Uh, Oh, our recommendation is a buy, but but okay. But yesterday it was a strong buy, so you've downgraded it, which really means it's a sell. But you don't want to upset them, so it's not. Yeah. So oh, oh, Sam, yeah, but I meant listening to the company here, Tesla. When when Tesla and Elon, oh, speak, oh. they are very deliberate in their answers, and <laughs> so same same with Microsoft. Like they'll say one thing, and then you have to go back and you have to read it eight different ways, and then decide what it means. And here here it's only four different ways, but still. <laughs> Yeah, that is one thing that uh, with with Musk gone, the, it's it's going to be uh, yeah. a, a little more boring. Yeah, because you just never know what will happen when Elon's answering a question. But I, I'm pretty sure what will happen if the others are answering a question. They're going to stay between the lines. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. going to be there's going to be no uh, humming or hawing or or uh, you know uh, reading the eight ball. That is not going to happen with the other guys. There's it would no be nice to hear more from Zach Kirkhorn and yes. uh, Drew. Uh, so yeah, so that that'll that'll that one side one upside is that those guys will get more airtime. Yeah, there is no uh, PR team. So the question then is, uh, if they say we have to get back to you on that, is that going to be you wait three months, or is that going to be that they finally uh, open up their Twitter, or or, hmm. or will there be a, an announcement on the IR page? Because 
they are very regulated in how they answer these questions that they come back after the call since they have to be equitable for everybody. Well, right. as, as Patrick, as you've said, and I certainly agree with it, um, I think that some of the others that are behind Elon, I think they've got to start stepping up into their roles where they're, they're responsible, or they are responsible as it sits, but I think that they have to, it's almost like they have to take over those roles in a more public way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That they're they're the ones speaking for those departments or those projects or you know it's it's just tough when Elon's the only spokesperson out there. Uh, this, this is what they need though because like at, at SpaceX you've got you've got Gwen and and at Tesla you've got Elon and so it'd be nice if the people were actually titled with what their their role is that they could actually speak to what their job is. Yeah, so like, before before Jerome exited, I was hoping he was going to be there uh as one of those figures um but um i think i think some of these others uh are gonna have to start taking those roles as the company grows um i think it becomes more and more apparent that that those type of roles are required yeah and that's really what musk should be spending more of his time doing is building out a c-suite of people that can do that so that he does not have to and it's also succession planning. It's yes. um, there's, yeah. So uh, th that's that is his responsibility, and I don't think he's done a great job of that. He he, he uh, it seems to be the opposite of a micromanager, uh, and that's not good. Yeah, right. and he says he wants to spend his time doing engineering. Oh, yes, okay, well then um, you need he other seems to be micromanager. <laughs> yes. Um, so in the chat, we've got a question. They wanted to know if there will be a difference between Model Y in Texas versus Fremont. And I'm going to say mm. probably not, but there will be a way in difference in with the way in which they're built with his whole copy copy paste statement. Yeah, I, I think there I think there'll be subtle differences as time mm -hmm. goes along yeah. until the other lines start to catch up with the newest line or with the newest thinking of what the line should be. Um, so I think there will be subtle differences in the uh, in all all the factories until they get set and dialed in that. This is the patent. This is the one that we want to use going forward, and yeah. then update all the others to match that. Yeah. So I think for the end user, the customer, you won't see any real difference as right. far as how it, how it behaves. Yeah, there, but, there'll be these crazy Twitter conversations about yes. people saying that, oh, I got a one piece front end, and oh, I got a one piece one piece back rear end. end. <laughs> I I got the first structural pack. Who yeah. cares, really? Like, <laughs> it, you know, the, the car is warrantied. It has to work in the proper way. And if, whether you not you have a structural pack, who cares? Like, eventually, it will get there. But there'll be some there'll be some hybrids before yeah. we get there. Yeah. Right. And this is one of the things the Sandy Monroe teardowns have taught us is that uh, when Tesla has an improvement, they roll it out in, in production. <laughs> and yes. yeah, it's, it's not like, oh, we're going to wait for the next model year and then we're going to make these 20 improvements. It's no, we have an improvement now. It's going out now. And then three months later, there'll be another one. And then two weeks after that, there'll be another one. So all those vehicles that come off the line during those windows are slightly different. Yeah. And we've even seen this with Shanghai. It's always uh, just three months. <laughs> it, it, right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, some of the improvements rolled out in Shanghai first yeah. and, and then uh, went to Fremont. And the and other way so, around as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, whatever team comes up with the innovation, they're going to pilot it. And when it's uh, they see that it's working, then it's going to go to the other spots. 
so yeah, they'll be mix and match all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And then Terry brings up a good point about the paint shop uh, that we saw in the photos. Yeah. Do we think that Texas will get that? And I, I, I think they will because if you're starting from scratch, why not have your advanced paint why shop? Not? Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. you know, I don't think that that Berlin has any special sauce that's right. not going to be shared with everywhere else once right. they get it dialed in. So. Right. If they believe that Berlin is a next-generation paint shop, of course they're going to put that into Texas. Yeah, and Elon touched on it on previous calls. He said that the reason they're not putting it in right away in Fremont is you have to shut the whole building down because the way mm -hmm. the paint shop is laid yeah. out in Fremont. So they're construct they're certainly constructed on space in Fremont. So yeah, so it becomes a question of you don't want to slow down production. No, you'll have to you'll have to build up a backlog of S and X, and then you'll mm -hmm. have to make sure that Y and three are coming out of other factories. Mm -hmm. And then you can shut down Fremont for a month or a couple of weeks to change yeah, the entire paint shop out. Yeah. To rip out the paint building and put a new one in. Yeah. yeah. Right. But we won't see that until after Berlin and Texas are up and running. 100%. And then the new Shanghai will also have to be right at 100% as well. Because shutting down Fremont for them is is, is going to be a major investment. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the paint shop has always been a problem for them there because when they bought the place, it was already a brownfield because of the paint shop. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Cybertruck don't care about paint shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, so, so while while the Fremont paint shop is down, they could definitely be making Cybertrucks there on the pilot line. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's kind of interesting. I, I don't think Fremont will ever make a Cybertruck. But they said they would try it, didn't they? I just mm. I, I don't I think they're there on a test line and I don't even think it's at Fremont I think it's in an adjacent uh, adjacent property Kato. they own <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of like Cato yeah but uh, <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if uh, Fremont started to make a Cybertruck because I don't think they're going to but I, I don't who think knows? I don't think they'll be doing it at any volume like yeah like I said in previous calls it, it's gonna it's gonna make sense for them to have backups for their backups because he keeps talking about the force majeures so if you're mm -hmm. geographically able to do all the all the products even if they don't belong there uh you don't want to ship the, the cyber truck across the ocean uh, i have a know. feeling that's going to be taken up by a new uh a new plant that's going to be placed somewhere in the the northeast oh, or Oklahoma. north central <laughs> all so. of a sudden all of a sudden buffalo starts actually building cars for some reason that would be cool <laughs> I, I i would like buffalo to get that i, yes. I am sure mm -hmm. there's problems uh with the uh the amount of space in that current uh location but I would love to see Western New York get something like that to, to help supply the Northeast and Canada. Yeah, I think I think currently mm -hmm. Buffalo. If not, if not, they were going cross the border. I have no problem with that either. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> I think right now Buffalo is backed by Sparks, right? And and, and Sparks backs uh, Buffalo backs Sparks for for whatever little overlap they have. Because for a while Sparks was building everything for energy, and now it's it's Buffalo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when we did our prediction show for this year, one of the things that that I said is I think we're gonna hear uh, announcements for one, uh, at least one, maybe two of their next Gigafactory locations. And uh, we're halfway through the year and we haven't, yeah. we haven't heard yet. Uh, how well, we, we know it's not India because Elon said, let's wait and see. Right. So the, the good thing there though, is that he hasn't said no to India getting Gigafactory. He just wants to see what the demand will be. Right, when they yeah. start delivering in that. So they'll be installing service centers and showrooms, uh, but uh, no plans for a factory yet. Yeah. And the continual of the supercharger road between Europe and the Silk Road. Yes. <laughs> well, that makes sense, though. I mean, if, if if India does as well as it can, then you'll have your two largest countries uh, will have their own gigafactory between China and India. So Right. Yeah. And then I'm sure that India um, has regions around it that can be serviced to help reduce costs 
definitely and, and there are some regions in that area that that really don't like um China. receiving chinese cars yes. so receiving like them from india, india would be a plus and yes. vice versa so it's uh it, it would be a nice if the demand is there it, it would be a good addition but uh definitely want to see another uh, super uh, i'm sorry uh, another factory in north america well with that guys uh, do you think we should wrap up is you'll, there anything see, else you wanted to touch these. upon you see all these obelisks aligned to True North. <laughs> I think uh, I think we've, uh, we've covered it. This is this was a no more questions in chat. Great announcement! Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, for those that are still with us, please give us a thumbs up at this point. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please do that as well. You can follow us through the week, and there's going to be a lot of articles coming out. So yes. we'll be publishing those through our uh, Twitter feed at the Tesla Life and our Facebook, the Tesla Life Numero One. I certainly want to thank Casey and Patrick for joining us today uh, in this uh, off uh, regular day as we uh, covered the earnings call on Monday. Uh, I will let you know that we're not going to have our regular show on Wednesday uh, because oh, no? this, of course, has taken that place. So oh, okay. we got to show up this week. Uh, we want to give Casey a break. He's on vacation. So, uh, and uh, Patrick's on vacation too. So, oh, you're all right. right. I am, yeah. yeah. They both joined us on their vacation day. So, we're going to let it go the rest of the week. They can enjoy themselves. And uh, we will catch you the following Wednesday. And at that point, find out what is going on in the Tesla, Tesla life. <laughs> um, so, over here, I want to thank Palmer House Inn for providing me space and internet. And uh, I don't have the, the soundtrack because I didn't bring that device. So, uh, I want to thank Lee Moon right. anyway. That's all right. Yeah. And we'll catch Lee Moon on the next one. <laughs> we hear Lee Moon all the time. So we, we still want to thank him regardless. Exactly. Uh, Patrick, any, any shout outs at the end of the show? Oh, yep. Uh, so I'm with carswithquarters.net. You can check out my blog there. And uh, I just want to say, hey, everybody, we are here to help bring about a future free from fossil fuels. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and Casey, what's that? Uh, what's that um, YouTube page for others to follow? YouTube.com/slash Casey Green, as spelled right here in my hand. If Perfect. you're on the uh, podcast, then you already know how to spell my name because you're on the website. Uh, <laughs> 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 but um, uh, I've, I've done a couple of fresh uh, supercharger reviews. They're in my camera still, and then I, I've got uh, a copy of my rough cut of the deep dive into 2021. 4.18.2. Uh, it said cold weather improvements and minor fixes. There was a lot of stuff in there, and um, I've got over an hour of footage I need to cut down further and, and make it nice for you guys, because uh, even though it's not the current version anymore, some folks are getting uh, newer versions, and they're, they're, I think that for the, for the folks that are into what I provide with the deep dives, you'll be impressed with the amount of difference that you can get with minor fixes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I'm curious. I will be yes. checking it out. Thank you. Very good. Well, with that, everyone, have yourselves a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks very much. Good night.